It's the reason why we are out in Nazrek this morning. It is, of course, the ANC's policy conference. It is the final day today. We are expecting the president later on this afternoon to deliver the closing, which we will bring to you live right here on SAFM. Now, former ANC Deputy President Kalema Motlante says there would have been no need for the step-aside resolution had the ruling party implemented its own constitution to deal with malfeasance and the lack of discipline in the party. He was speaking to the media on the sidelines of the party's sixth national policy conference underway at the Nazarek Expo Center south of Johannesburg. Some party members have criticized the implementation of the step-aside rule, claiming that it is implemented selectively. The SABC's Ndebo Mokobo has more. The ANC government's failure to change people's life is often blamed on its failure to implement its own policies. The party is again blamed for its failure to consistently use the relevant sections of its constitution to deal with malfeasance and ill-discipline. And the party's former second-in-command, Kalema Motlante, said had they used their constitution effectively to deal with the wrongs within their ranks, there wouldn't have been any need to adopt the step-aside resolution as an instrument to deal with corruption by its members. The constitution of the ANC has a whole section that uh, defines what constitutes offences which trigger disciplinary proceedings against any member. The problem is implementation, and as you know, discipline it's always effective if it is underpinned by consistency. If you apply discipline in a selective manner, it undermines the entire procedure. So yes, indeed, the constitution of the ANC is sufficient to ensure that all the malfeasance are dealt with because they are actually defined in the ANC constitution. And his sentiments were shared by political analyst Angelo Fick, who says that the selective application of rules is not a new phenomenon in the ANC but its consequences are more dire as the party loses electoral support. If you have selective application in a party that has diminishing returns in the electorate or from the electorate, what you sit with is greater and greater unhappiness, more and more infighting because people are now fighting over positions that give them access to state resources. And if you want to run an organization and if you want procedural fairness, you also have to have administrative equality. And if you don't have administrative equality, all of your processes will be questionable and questionable not from the outside, but from the inside. And once those processes become questionable to those on the inside, you see the alienation from actual procedural fairness that we're seeing not just in the ANC, but we're seeing elsewhere um, in, in the kind of so-called left movement. Again, Motlante bemoaned the capacity of their integrity committee, saying it needs to be strengthened, insisting that its recommendations are not binding and sometimes remain with the office of the Secretary General. The weakness in the system is that uh, their recommendations are submitted to the office of the Secretary General and it ends there. So they have no authority to ensure that the National Executive Committee actually acts on their recommendations. That's something that may have to be strengthened by giving them original authority because at the moment they are a substructure of uh, the National Executive Committee and I think they do need original authority from conference itself so that uh, they can act and ensure that their recommendations and decisions are given effect to. Angelo Fick on the other hand said it is immaterial where the mechanism to deal with members accused of corruption is located insisting that it has to be implemented.
This isn't just about duplication of rules. This is about implementing the rules and giving strength to the rules and their effectability. Because if you can't affect the rules, it doesn't matter whether the rules are in your constitution or whether additional policies reduplicate the constitution. If those rules are not being given power by the committees, then what you sit with is the malaise that they currently sit with. And this is not to denigrate people, but this is to say, if you wish to take yourself seriously in this reform renewal process, there are some hard truths you have to tell yourself. And it isn't just about quibbling about the rules and whether they're outside the constitution or inside the constitution. It's about effecting wherever they are those rules to make sure that they serve an organization's continuity and longevity better. Although the National Policy Conference will not change this policy proposal, it can make recommendations for adoption at the party's elective conference in December. I am Debo Mokobo in Johannesburg. Thank you very much uh, for, for that analysis there and that, uh, that package from Endeavour. As we wrap up, of course, we'll begin the uh, final day and wrapping up the ANC's policy conference, the sixth um, ANC's policy conference. And I am joined now in our studio here in Nazrek, political analyst, uh, Sandy Leswana, joining me now and uh, also joined on the line by senior policy analyst at the Risk Analysis Center, Chris Hatting, who will be my second guest as well in our Sunday discussion as we reflect on the various issues in the country and, of course, how the governing party has uh, has addressed these issues. Uh, thank you very much for your time, bright and early <laughs> this morning here in Nazareth. But you've been here all along, haven't you? Good morning. Good morning. I have indeed. Following very closely the, the, the conversations, and let's let's start off from where Debo left off in that in that package about this issue of the step aside issue. One that also in the media we, we throw around quite loosely, but at the heart of it it's about what accountability isn't it and here you have a former former president saying here that in fact uh, had we had we implemented what what the party's constitution already makes provision for wouldn't need to be having these discussions yes I, I must say up front that I'm one of those people who oppose this idea of this resolution this step aside resolution mm -hmm. because upon reading the constitution of the African National Congress you see clearly there that there is nothing that anybody has done, whether it's Mahashule, Zuma, or any other person, that is not already catered for in the ANC constitution. But just from a logical perspective, if you start an organization in, in 1912, over the years, every type of crook and mischief maker has come along. And therefore, the constitution by now, by 1994, who, or 1990 for that, would have been quite mature. And when you read it, you see that it was mature because it has encountered a lot of ill discipline over several decades. So it is one of those. But what has happened is that the ANC uh, has been uh, invaded by a spirit and a culture of cowardice, whereby uh, the Constitution requires that, for instance, if we are Oscar Mabuyan, and you see that Esma Khashule is doing something wrong, you then prepare a disciplinary charge sheet. You put it through the process. So you face the person. Your comrades must face each other. Mm -hmm. uh, if you need to go to the police station as well, you also go there yourself and you are clearly identifiable. Now, this resolution is a smokescreen where you get removed from your position by an unknown person. You just get removed, generally. Mm -hmm. 
uh, because they don't want to have the discipline because they are the ones, even when Khalima Muntande said there was a problem of implementation, he doesn't say, I, as Secretary General, Khalima Muntande, did not enforce discipline and teach all the secretaries in the country to actually enforce discipline. That uh, is the voice of political analyst uh, Sandy Leswana, who's part of our Sunday discussion. I'll bring in Chris in just a moment. But first, though, Luanda Maume is standing by with the latest news headlines. Thank you, Sabenzile. In your headlines, Kwazulu Natal police are investigating another incident where people were shot in cold blood. This follows the gunning down of six people at Marian Hill when a group of men opened fire at a tuck shop, killing six men and wounding another in the evening. EFF leader Julius Malema has launched a scathing attack on judges whom he says are in the pocket of President Cyril Ramaphosa, whom Malema accuses of a lack of transparency in the Palapala matter. Malema alleges that the president has sealed the answers he gave to the 31 questions sent by acting public protector, advocate Kolega Kalega regarding Palapala. And co-president says President Cyril Ramaphosa says... Co-brother says President Cyril Ramaphosa and Police Minister Peggy Tele should take full responsibility for the lawlessness in the country, including the gang rape of eight women allegedly by foreign nationals in Krugersdorp. The young women and a production crew were shooting a music video at West Village when the incident occurred on Thursday. I'll have details on these and other stories at 7. The Weekend View with Sebenzile Gambule, Saturday and Sunday, 6 to 7 a.m. Thank you very much, uh, Luanda. 27 minutes to go to the top of the hour here on the Weekend View. I am Sebenzile Ngambule. We are coming to you live from the Nazarek Expo Center for the last day of the ANC's policy conference. When we are done in a little bit, the Jet Set Breakfast with Michelle Constant between 7 and 10 a.m. follows. And today, Michelle speaks with East Africa's youngest climate change ambassador, 11-year-old Elaine Wanjiku from Nairobi, Kenya, and award-winning investigative journalist Karen Morn and her book, Nuclear, Inside South Africa's Secret Deal. This week's guest presenter is Zandi Lendlovu, South Africa's first black female freediving instructor and the founder of the Black Mermaid Foundation. She is encouraging young people to participate in the blue ocean economy. You can also send in your big fat juicy on WhatsApp or SMS 41391 and it'll only cost you one rand and 50 cents. Hold on, something just doesn't add up here. How do we keep finding ourselves back here, right where we started? Could there be something wrong with the formula? Or are we just not ready for that truth yet? Don't tell me about odds which are already stacked against the youth. They're pushing. And you? Sitting on the sidelines, constructing narratives that fit your agenda, swindling, fumbling. What about the system? When do we get to dismantle that? How about we start effecting real change? How's that freedom? How's that for freedom? Catch Daily Teta on SABC One every Monday to Thursday morning from half past 10 to half past 11. Shift the narrative and take charge. SABC Education, enriching minds, enriching lives. Uh, Cindy, and then what happened to your ceiling? Ish, friend, my geyser burst and right now I just don't have the money. 
I'm counting down the days to payday to fix it. At African Bank, we understand that life has its unexpected ups and downs. That's why we instantly give you a black credit card with 62 days interest free. Apply today. Go online or call us. African Bank is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. African Bank. Audacity to believe. Sebenzile Gambule on SAFM. Our Sunday discussion today is on the ANC's sixth policy conference. And we are asking you to, of course, share your views and whether you, in fact, what what are you expecting, right? Or are you expecting anything meaningful to come out of this policy conference when it ends later on today? It is, of course, an important moment for the party building up to that all-important elective conference in December. Let me remind you of that uh, number where you can send through your WhatsApp voice notes at 082-692-3909. And still joining me this morning for our Sunday discussion, political analyst Sandile Swana, who's joining us uh, in studio here at the Nazareth Expo Center, as well as Chris Hatting, who's on the line, senior policy analyst at the Risk Analysis Center. And I'll get to Chris in just a moment. Quick one, um, Sandile, just from your your point before we took the, the headlines, right, about about accountability there where, where you're saying that uh, um, former leaders in fact or perhaps they continue to be leaders of the movement even though they don't necessarily occupy positions anymore are not being accountable to to the party to themselves about their role when they held when they held these positions and and, and you you're saying there that they they're almost afraid to to call each other out why do you think that is? Is it a question of well, if I know I also have a lot that I'm that I'm hiding or that I need to be called to account for, I'm not going to throw a stone when I live in a glass house. Yes, uh, thank you so much, Sabindit. Uh What what happens here is that uh, if you go back to the days in the 1990s of Nelson Mandela. Uh, where he said that there's a type of person who's entering the African National Congress who's a careerist, an opportunist, and a criminal. And at that time, the potent force that could actually take action to eject those people, totally remove them out of the ANC, was Tabombegi and Ramaphosa. Those were the young men who really were the young lions of the time who needed to take steps and eject these crooks out of the ANC. But if you look at it from another angle, the likes of Steve Chwete and Tabombeke, already Olomisa had information about their uh, dubious relationships with Sol Kessner. And Mandela himself, in fact, were receiving monies that were questionable. And Patrick Bond, Professor Patrick Bond, records this. So indeed, for a long time, since the 1990s, uh, the likes of Jackie Silebi were already attached to the mafia. Uh, of uh, Cleodi and so on and so forth. So comrades could not develop a culture of confronting each other. Instead, what started to happen, people like Olomisa were confronting corruption mm-hmm. in the ANC, were ejected out of the ANC. By 2005, Mbeki himself, when he thought he should turn against the crooks in the ANC, he was ejected in the Pulugwane conference, out of, out of position, etc., and recalled. So 
they allowed the crooks to become fatter and fatter and stronger in the ANC to the point that anybody who had common sense to try and correct things had no power anymore. Sir Ramaphosa, they call it a fight back, they call it this, they call it this. And before you know it, he himself, his own skeleton starts jumping out of the cabinet. Mm -hmm. So they mm -hmm. are unfit to actually correct each other. The electorate is actually the one that will correct them. Um, uh, I believe we have Chris back on the line. We'll go back to him in just in just a moment. Perhaps Sandy, let's jump in on, on that one. That last voice note, I think, is an interesting one um, where, where the listener says, um, an opposition party such as such as the EFF, of course, they celebrated their ninth birthday yesterday, out in in Mangawong, and even in the news, the clip that was played was when the leader of the EFF was talking about um, how how Ramaphosa wants to this, the president wants to cover up a number of things, covering up the, also the issue here of, of Palapala and the listener, um, from at least from from uh, what they've sent here, saying. Opposition perhaps is also getting it wrong by not focusing on the real issues that, that affect people. Do, do you think the listener is correct there? No, the, the listener is missing the point. You know, there is what I think they call it the, the broken window theory. So if you go to a, 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 a part of town that is uh, messed up, uh, graffiti, everything on the walls, and you clean it up, Everybody, even people who used to litter there, they stop littering because you've cleaned up. But if you, you go the other way, people just add to the failures. Mm -hmm. So when you want to bring good governance to any nation, any community, you, you, you also deal with what some might think are small matters. Those small matters prevent the big matters from happening. The poverty that is in South Africa, if I were to be totally honest, is rooted in the criminality of ANC leaders because the time that they are using to collapse systems and, and not doing their job is mm -hmm. the time they should be using to address poverty inequality. So you ask yourself, if you are going to steal the amount of billions that they've been stealing out of the system, uh, how much time does that take out of a, a working day? And the collapsing of all systems of control and those systems are pipelines that bring services to the ordinary citizen in the street the ordinary resident and also those truck drivers the police is thoroughly corrupt and tied up also with the syndicates the various criminal syndicates that is the issue so there is nothing too small that is of a criminal nature that should not be attended to but a tweet here, um, Tokaka uh, here on, on Twitter saying, I'm loving what your analyst is saying, that the electorate must help the ANC eject thieves from within by assisting it out. This is what you were you were saying earlier, uh, uh, Sandila. Is, is, do you feel, though, that the electorate is moving is moving towards that? I suppose the, the, the recent uh, local government elections, again, um, signal that that, that is where where um, uh, those, of course, who choose to go out and vote, right? Because we know we still have very low voter turnout, but that those who did go out and have, they say, are moving in that direction. Is it convincing enough, though, in your view, that uh, the electorate, that South Africans have decided that we need to go a completely different direction? Yes. Uh, social change uh, is a long uh, process, you know. Uh, when you have to think that in 1994, both my grandfather, myself, and I voted, it shows you how long social change takes. That three generations, 
and and in fact my great grandfather never voted so so it takes a long time to get social change to happen but mm -hmm. if you look at the statistics since Tabombegi left office the elect electoral results of the ANC have decidedly gone down the pattern has been downward consistently there is of course those who try to fi figure out in the statistics i don't know how they do the calculation that when sir ramaphosa came in he arrested the downward trend of those i haven't seen that pattern i don't know how they calculated it uh, secondly uh, i listened to uh, mguni uh, uh, saying that in the research that he does in kzn in kzn for instance there are people who don't just stay away from voting that's mm -hmm. the research they actually change parties. It's not just a boycott. They actually, there's a, a tendency to change parties. Uh, and also, uh, the people who stay away, it's a decision. Uh, staying away from elections is a vote. And lastly, what the corruption of the ANC, the incompetence of the ANC, and the general non-performance of the ANC in political power has actually made politics less and less interesting and, mm. and, and dismal. It's like when you have a soccer league where teams and players are substandard and are not performing. Stadiums cannot be full. Mm -hmm. But when you put Lionel Messi there, the stadiums will be full. So when you have presidents who are substandard, and we've heard that since Tabombegi left office, uh, so y y the whole thing just becomes boring. I wonder if that's that's what we saw at the beginning of this policy conference um, on, on, on Friday. Well, the energy was quite low. It, it wasn't the sort of reception that one is used to when the leader of the organization um, walks in. And in fact, it felt as though you know, people had to be forced to, to, to sing, right? Um, and, and do you think it's indicative again of, uh, of I suppose, how, how the general sentiment is just that of being, of being exhausted? You feel as though nothing is happening. And if you're feeling it, if, if members of the party themselves are, are feeling that, uh, you can only imagine what the broader public is also feeling. Yes, I was amazed. Uh, first of all, from what I gather, the, the size of the gathering has been trimmed down to a large degree. Um, there's a spirit of austerity and poverty here at Nazareth, even as we speak. The when they started, uh, 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 you, you, you see that they are subdued. That triumphalism mm. of the invincible ANC that will govern until Jesus comes back, that spirit of invincibility is gone. A lot of the top leaders, um, the likes of Mwakorama Klodi, Halima Mutante, and many others, I mean, Tabombeg is struggling to admit this, that in 2024 there's a very real possibility that they will lose elections. Now, the meaning of that is that the gravy train itself is going away. So the bread, they can see the bakery truck leaving. It's actually already headed towards the gate. So there's nothing to be op optimistic about. Uh, and it is in the hands of Ramaphosa that their food is going away. And it is going away. The statistics point in that direction. We can talk about the songs that they invented but if you look mm. at the results at the IEC the trend is downward clearly downward, the economic trends are downward, when you listen to some of their big economists in the economics uh, uh, report back a person says I've been in this committee of the ANC for 30 years the economics committee for mm. 30 years and in that 30 years uh, there has been devastation economic devastation, 9 million 
youngsters, not in school, not at college, not at work, uh, 12 million workers unemployed. South Africa has got the lowest labor uh, participation rate in the world. People in South Africa don't work. So what is there to be energetic about? And we must not run away from the fact that it is absolutely, totally, 100% the duty of the state to determine macroeconomic policy, mm -hmm. the duty of the state to determine ma a monetary policy, and very many micro policy, microeconomic policies in order that the nation can prosper. It is the duty of the state in the USA, the UK, France, and elsewhere to intervene in the state, whether it's in China, everywhere, to actually make sure that people in the nation are becoming wealthy. In South Africa, you've started to see here Ramaphosa vacillating between Thatcherism, radical Thatcherism, taking key strategic industries that will secure the future of this nation and arbitrarily giving them to the private sector without any protection of economic security, energy security, fuel security, liquid fuel security in South Africa. Liquid fuels, petrol, diesel, and so on, were no longer mm -hmm. secure. When the Boers were in charge in South Africa, in 1988, you would have had 18 months' worth of reserve fuel stocks in our tanks here in South Africa, whereby we could continue without buying oil from anywhere because our tanks are full. All of that, you've seen every kind of criminality around those fuel stocks. It said everything that has sought to protect this nation has been undermined by the criminal syndicates that operate deeply within the African National Congress. Hmm. Has it been the, the, the festival of ideas that, that everybody has, has been talking about? And of course, we'll, we'll find out later this afternoon when the president does uh, uh, deliver the, the closing address here. Has, has it been that, right? Or, 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 or before you can even get to that point, it's you know the individual who's, who proudly says, I've been there for, for, for 30 years, for them to say, well, I shouldn't have you know, stayed there that, that long, but what do we do at, at this point? New leadership in, pro in provinces such as Gauteng, uh, KZN, new individuals uh, who are quite quite energetic as well. But are they are they talking about the, the the right things? Perhaps are they saying or making the right noises that again may give an indication that there are some ideas that can emerge from from this conflict. The ideas. I mean, one of the uh, prominent. Uh, Speakers, let's say, potentially speakers. There's a fellow called Mdolo from KZN yes. uh, who seems to be quite vocal with what they think should be done. And Mdolo would probably be representing some form of newness. We've not heard much from Lamola, uh, uh, the, the Minister of Justice, representing the younger generation coming with new ideas. Now, um, what I will say is that the ANC, there are some write-ups, if you go out there, that people will say the, the ANC is bankrupt, intellectually and morally bankrupt. Mm. From my perspective, I would say the ANC is an intellectual desert. It would be too much with the caliber of people that are there today to expect, expect f new innovative ideas that are creative to take this economy forward. If they were there, they would already have been published. Uh, uh, when they tried to write out under Titombowene to write out uh, some form of economic recovery strategy, Titombowene came up. When Badili Hutla, the former statistician general, evaluated what they had written, 
in the middle of a deep crisis to say what ideas are they bringing up what is the plan going forward all that he could conclude was that this is just an assemblage of essays so somebody packaged essays and said this is a, a strategy Tabombegi has repeatedly said and he repeated it yesterday that there is no economic plan there is a dream the dream of the NDP is there now in between what takes us to the dream to achieve the dream there is no plan that says on this date to that date we'll be doing this it will cost us so much we'll build all the railways between Pumalanga and and Richards Bay on this date to that date it will co- and this will be the investors will bring it there is no detailed plan then we are inviting the so-called social partners into a room where there is actually nothing we are saying mm-hmm. they must come and participate when there is no plan to participate in, we are saying they must come and participate in what exactly? Because we have no plan. So we are in a deep economic crisis of heavy unemployment, inequality, and deep, deep poverty of more than 30 million. And there is no plan. And people are occupying office with no aptitude, no skill, no technocratic capabilities to run the state of South Africa as we speak today. All right. As we, as we wrap... What does it then mean for for ordinary South Africans? Um, you you have, uh, you know, the, the song as uh, Zibis of the world who who writes about how the middle class as well has has essentially, you know, run away if you will, or decided not to participate as as actively as as we should in the problems of this country. That on a daily basis, the you know, the, the the working class, ordinary people are protesting for all sorts of issues. Um, about wh- whether it's crime, whether um, issues of electricity, issues of, of unemployment, and the sections of society who, because of the privilege also of, of, of how much they, they earn and so on, are able to just go on and live in gated communities. And this is also a big part of, of, of the problem. There's also a broader culture of, of not enough acti- active uh, citizenry in, in figuring out how we sort this out. If it's now falling on us, are we are we capable are we ready to take on what what that actually means for us at this point yes that is a big question uh, unfortunately what has actually happened is that the more intelligent the more competent south africans have been battered and intimidated by the comrades themselves in south africa amongst the educated classes more especially the black ones there is this idea that if we are going to do something or say something, it must first be endorsed by the comrades. Not realizing that the comrades are participating more concerned with their activities in the criminal syndicates in the first place. And they are part of the problem. So you will find that that is the one problem. The people who are doing something, for instance, you have the Soltech, uh, uh, Solidarity uh, 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 Union has started a university uh, out of private funds. They didn't wait for the government to do it. Other people have established Orenia, whether you like it or not, they are doing something. In other places, we have CPFs, community policing forums, that are working and producing results, etc., etc., etc. So the middle class politically has been under pressure from the criminal syndicates that operate deep within the African National Congress and allowing themselves, because let me add this, they want board positions. Some of them we say they are doing well. But they want to be endorsed for board positions at Transnet, board positions. Even somebody says, I'm a CA, I'm appointed as the, as the CFO or whatever. It is. But he went through the deployment committee. He didn't get it on merit. 
it was through some dubious scheme that they got there. So the so-called prosperity that the black middle class has is also a dubious and highly questionable pro- prosperity. And on that note, we are out of out of time. We have to leave it then. Unfortunately, we do look forward to that final address, the closing address by uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, the president of the African National Congress. Later on this afternoon, we will take it live right here on SAFM. Let me thank my guest, uh, Sandy Leswana, political analyst, who joined us in studio here at NASREC, as well as Chris Hatting, who we had just for a few minutes, senior policy analyst at the Risk Analysis Center. That is all from us this weekend on The Weekend View. Let's do it again next week, Saturday and Sunday, between 6 and 7 a.m. I am Sebenzile Gambule. Until next time, Guande. SABC News, independent and impartial.